Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this main house production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories to entertain you and ourselves a little bit. And we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming. Because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This episode is part of our current main house production, Vigil the Great Fire. To tell this story, we're playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat. So please take your seats in the main house. Tonight's production is about to begin. Vigil, a Merely Role Player's main house production. The Great Fire, Act 4 of 5. I'm Ellie and I play Percy Byron, the Exile, a Victorian monster hunter and half-sister to Ada Lovelace. Percy tried to time travel to 1666 to stop the summoning of an apocalyptic demon, but something went wrong and she landed here in the present day. I'm Dave and I play Mick the Mundane. Mick is Sheridan's favourite builder, but his life has been getting weirder since he dug too deep and hit a ley line. I'm Strat and I play Briar, the Monstrous. Briar is a shape-shifting fey guardian of the Rosebriar Forest. They take their jobs very seriously, but can get a little distracted if there's mischief to be made. My name's Chris McLennan and I'm playing Ed Kincaid, the Professional. He's a disgraced MI5 agent who's been kicked down to a basement to investigate reports of ghosts and little green men and other things that definitely don't exist. He just wants to file his report and go home. Miss Byron, as I've been saying, our appointment is overdue. There's a lot of water around at the moment, there's all the fludding. Is there a way we can bring a body of water to where we're meeting? Suck it all down, Leyline, blasted up. Mick seems to have some way of linking directly to that. Percy will speak with the demon. Mick is going to need to be underwater. Get me some scuba gear. Mick, the water closes over you. Uh, Flail around a bit, trying to right myself. Yeah, there's <laughs> a moment, which moment, down. <laughs> moment of panic as you work out how to like get mm-hmm. the bit between your teeth and breathe. Mm-hmm. I don't know how scuba diving works. The tanks are like heavy, but they're full of air, so they wouldn't make you sink. You so, have um, a weighted belt uh-huh. that is. You're given more weight depending on how light you are as right. a person. So the weighted belt of the scuba gear starts to pull you down mm-hmm. towards the bottom. Super. Briar, mm-hmm. this is all very serious. What's a way that you could fuck with Mick? <laughs> I, I, I think. Oh no, hang on. How can I fuck with Mick? Do something with his air supply. <laughs> <laughs> Make it look like his air's running out, even if it isn't. 
quote unquote help <laughs> by like tying him to the bottom with seaweed or something yeah. or, like grasses <laughs> go down there as a sexy mermaid <laughs> sexy mermaid looks a little bit like Renko <laughs> Uh, I'm going to see if I can act under pressure to resist this one because okay. this is big magic. Too important. So yeah, Briar's trying. Briar's to... nature is war at war with himself. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he's, there are, as we've just said, there are so many ways he could prank <laughs> Mick during this. Mick is in a very vulnerable situation, <laughs> but also this is important. Yeah, it's not important enough. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fail. Mark experience. That's a full experience now, though. And it's okay, because like, it's not like a usual fail where I do something really terrible. It's just that you've got to do a thing. Yeah. <laughs> mermaid, mermaid. <laughs> oh, I know. I know what's happened. Briar has colluded with a lot of other fae. Mm-hmm. So they're waiting for Mick. So while everyone's made their preparations for this terrible, scary <laughs> mission, you were like calling up the fae and being like, guys, there's going to be a mortal breathing with their funny <laughs> breathing equipment in the lake. Trying to be a fish. <laughs> Trying to be a fish. So I think, therefore, for the duration of this, there is going to be uh, weird shadows every time... Mick looks around, something is just going to... Like, it's going to have made the whole underwater experience as pretty much as terrifying <laughs> as it is possible for it to be. Oh, it's like gonna... stuff grazing past him and... Yeah, yeah. Him. you know how, like, on when you're underwater, noises are really loud. There's going to be a lot of, like, clanks of something or... Yeah, big shadows just in the murk that slowly glide by and never seem to come into vision. Mick, you descend into the murk, and you descend into a subaquatic hellscape. <laughs> You're welcome. Briar did not warn you it would be like this, but Briar did say if you see anything, anything weird, weird no. that's good. <laughs> yeah, so I'm assuming it's fine. <laughs> Give me a roll, please, to act under pressure. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, I'm rolling... Uh, plus cool. Plus cool, yeah. Plus one, so... Uh, that's not enough. That's three, four, five, six. Mark experience. Yeah, <laughs> As well as all of this, the weird shadows, weird touches against you as you descend through the water. Again, weirdly magnified by being underwater, but you hear like a bubbling sound coming closer. And Briar, are you in the water or are you like bird circling um in the water you're in the water uh what are you beavers used to be around <laughs> back in the day didn't they I yeah would, yeah beaver briar as a beaver you're able to kind of poke your head up out of the water uh, and you can see that there is a plume of steam approaching where the two of you are mm, no <laughs> slowly okay. as if at the pace of uh human walking along the bottom. How's it surviving? Okay. Beaver's going to go and have a, a look at what's going on. You swim closer to this plume of steam and you see walking along the bottom. This is not a super deep, mm. right? This is a flooded area of land. It's not a full-on lake. Right, right, right. So like a person's height below the water, yeah. effectively. You see walking along the bottom in like a bubble of cavitated air made by the heat uh, coming off her body 
still wearing like the stained apron from behind the counter from the kitchen is Beryl from Diner's Delight, the greasy spoon on Market Street, with fire in her eyes, walking resolutely along the bottom towards the centre of the abbey where Mick is. Percy. Hello. You rock up to the charcoal pits. Yeah. Shall we describe together the sort of scene that we find here? Because this might be a place where a showdown might happen, so we can mm-hmm. add some features that might make it an interesting place to have one well, of I those. I think Kincaid would want to be somewhere mm-hmm. separate to Percy with an overview of it, so yeah. it looks like Percy's turned up on mm-hmm. their Todd like they should. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, Kincaid's hidden. Got the feeling this is going to be like in the woods. Mm. Is it like in the forest or on the edge of the forest? I think it's the edge of the forest, yeah. yeah. And it's partly because it's a lot of fire that you Mm -hmm. don't want in the middle of the forest. Oh, set up somewhere in the tree line. Great. Yeah. And I think I feel like it would, I think there'd be several Mm -hmm. big pits, literally, that were essentially hollows. Mm -hmm. And now that it's still, you know, a current business, there are huge metal kilns, one per divot in the ground yeah but they're fairly enormous because it used to just be that they would burn it literally in the ground okay yeah there's a fire tower so there's Mm. like a fire a fire spotting tower quite nearby so just a tall gantry with a platform on top Mm. with like a siren that somebody can set going if there's if there's a fire that looks like it's going to spread towards the forest i think there's a porter cabin style office Mm -hmm. that's the base operations for the charcoal company and a small car park. I think any comms stuff would be on Ed, because otherwise... It would be it overheard. Here. Yeah. Mm, true. So I have to watch and report anything to them. Mm-hmm. And if there's multiple mm-hmm. pits, we need to work out which one mm-hmm. it's living in. Yeah. We should probably have ascertained that this is where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're confident. Should have popped out and look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get the feeling it's like just in if, if you were on a complete wild goose chase, then the voice in your head would have got frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did say warmer when yeah. we'd hit on the right place. Only one of the kilns is smoking. Okay, well, that's where I'm going to go. So, Percy, you approach this kiln. It's a circular metal drum, smoke rising out of the top, sitting in this divot in the hillside outside of the forest. As you approach, the voice in your head says, Finally. And you hear the voice for the first time actually through your ears as well, echoing from inside the drum. The wings of flame that you last saw unfurling before the fall of the Order HQ in 1852 unfurl from the top of the kiln and rising and standing on top of the pile of charcoal inside is a figure made entirely of flame. Bright yellow-orange fire. Around your height, maybe even a little shorter, but made majestic by the fire that forms its body, wearing um, an armoured breastplate, braces and greaves that seem to be of metal that glows white-hot with the heat of its body. The demon that you that has been so much a part of your life influenced so many of the events that have brought you here, stands above you and says, in a voice that is less hoarse and sort of throaty than, than you've heard in your head, now that it's, it has the clarity of, of a burning flame now. 
Miss Byron, I hope you come in friendship having considered my offer. I come in what can only be con- considered curiosity and wish to have more details concerning your offer. Curiosity is something I feel we can both work with, a positive foundation to build upon. What would you have me answer? What is the most burning question in your mind? Oh, very funny. What would be the cost of resetting the timeline? The cost would certainly not outweigh the benefit. It would simply be the life you have lived since the experiment. This past year that you have lived here in the wrong time would not have happened because you would never have come here. Is that not a small price to pay to undo the destruction of your headquarters, the unfortunate death of Stan, imminent death of Charlton, Dennis, the deaths over the years of all the others I have been forced to use up. Those lives surely are worth giving up this last year and going back to the life that you had. Why do you want to reset the timeline? What's in it for you? Is it not enough to know that it benefits you? It's not enough, as you well know, because you know my history. You know my present. You do not know my future, but I am Persephone Byron and I will punish anyone who seeks to punish the good. And you very much fall into that category. So think carefully about how you answer me. Roll plus charm. Oh, but I'm not very charming. <laughs> it's ironic that this requires charm. Only threats. <sighs> Come on. Oh! Okay, but it's, I'm minus one, so it's seven. They'll do it, but they need more from you than just the threat. So, which I think in this case probably means they need like a show that you're serious. Okay. So, like accompanying the words, maybe some form of action to show that you are willing to destroy them if and able to destroy them if you if they don't do what you want. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna there's gonna be a period of silence after I've made my threat. So. Can I hear the demon voice now? I think, I, think you're, 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 I think you're close enough. Yes, it's out loud. Yes, it's not yeah. in her head anymore. I think, and I think we have a, a prearranged like signal. Yeah, yeah. I've been very clear on like, don't interfere <laughs> unless I give you the signal. Yeah. Uh, the signal's just me raising my bow. It's got my bow and arrow with me. So I'm holding my bow above my head. I'm ready with the shot if that's what you're after. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I fire. The thing you also need to remember is Percy Byron does not work alone. Alright lovies, it's me, Matt, your compere for this main house production. While the players get ready for their next scene, why don't you and I take a look at the programme? There's a new set of awards on the scene, called the Creator Recognition in Tabletop RPGs, or CRIT Awards. This is their first year running, and they've got an ethos I kind of agree with, which is 
uh, please nominate your peers or the, the people that you see as kind of being on your level rather than giving all of your nominations to the huge shows and huge games and huge publishers. There are an overall tabletop RPG awards, but they have quite a lot of categories for streams and podcasts and other forms of actual play, which is great to see that recognition of uh, what we're doing here. They're at the nomination stage at the moment, so they're just taking uh, any nominations that people want to give at this stage, and then the next stage they'll narrow that down into kind of categories, shortlists, multiple choice lists to pick from. So at the moment it's completely free choice. You have until the 1st of June to nominate, and obviously if you're going to nominate for these awards you should nominate what you think is the best thing in each of those categories. However, if you did feel like throwing some nominations our way, I've put together some posts uh, showing exactly what's actually eligible that we've done during the period for this first set of Crit Awards. The main productions we've done that are eligible for the awards are Vigil, Quarry in the main house, and Monumental Exit in the studio. We also have the Lost Andromeda Awards Christmas special in the studio and Vigil All Aboard in the main house, but those two both straddle the different ends of the eligibility period, so some episodes are technically eligible while others aren't. So I feel like it's safest to go for the series that are fully within the eligibility period, which are Vigil Quarry and Monumental Exit. I've put together posts on Tumblr and Instagram suggesting what you might like to nominate in various categories, mainly to help out the awards judges because they've bravely allowed free text responses for every single category. So, for example, for the best storyline in an actual play category, one person could put Vigil colon Quarry, somebody else could just put Quarry, somebody else could put Vigil Quarry brackets merely role players, somebody could give a link, somebody else might not, and it would be up to the awards organisers to look at all of those entries and recognise that they're for the same thing and consolidate them into, into votes. So I've put together posts that suggest the wording that you could use if you do fancy nominating us just to try and help out the judges a little bit and let them know exactly what it is that you're trying to uh, nominate for. Briefly though, the categories where we're eligible, where you might like to nominate us, if you think that we're the best in these categories, are best storyline in an actual play, for which I'd suggest Vigil Quarry, best series, Vigil as an overall entity, is eligible for that. Best non-player character? Maybe show a little bit of love for Ernie Baring, Agent of Doom. Best podcast? Of course, you can just vote for merely role players. Best instrumental of the year by a musician in a tabletop RPG? Great to see the music being recognised. You can nominate the Vigil theme by Alexander Pankhurst for that. Best Game Master Indie, I'm eligible for that. And then Best Player Indie, anybody who appears in Quarry or Monumental Exit is eligible for that. If you know who you think is the best out of those players, then obviously nominate them. If you're looking to narrow it down, I would suggest maybe focusing on the members of our cast who act professionally, which would be Alexander Pankhurst, Natalie Winter and Martha De Silva. 
since an award nomination or win, even if it's not a very well-recognised or famous award, is always good for the old performer CV. Even if you don't want to nominate us, I hope that you will nominate for the Crit Awards. It would be great to get just more love for all of the games and series and creators on this scene going around the place. And that's quite enough blowing our own trumpet, so let's promote something else. Here comes Ben Newbon, long-time supporter of Merely Role Players on social media, with a promo for his new podcast, Cybertopia, an actual play of the system of the same name that Ben himself designed. Have you been looking for a break from the drudgery of the real world? What if the future wasn't so bleak? What if someone was to save us all? How would that look? I must know, does your microwave can't go ding when it's done shooting? Well, you're in luck, because Cybertopia is a rules-like TTRPG actual play that explores just such a reality. We've got this disco ball, which is pretty cool. We've got these two drones flying around in here, uh, dodging me out of the smoke. Check us out on your podcast app of choice, and here are rolling cast of 16 fantastic players take on weird and wild missions that the corporate overlords need taken care of for totally altruistic and benevolent reasons. Okay, this time it's serious. I would like to turn my uh, hacking hat backwards. Now please return to your seats in the main house. For the next scene of Vigil, the Great Fire, Act 4. I also like on the radio to presumably an empty boat at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, this is, uh, you know, gone tits up pretty fast. (laughs) Do they have earpieces? Maybe in scooping it. You're fine. I'm a fish. (laughs) If Briar put on an earpiece in Robin Goodfellow form and then turned into a beaver, would it like merge? Oh Oh, no, the classic druid question. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, if your ear changes shape, does it just fall out? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I presume it can be in the scuba mask. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can hear it. Yeah, at least Mick knows. <laughs> Mick knows the terrible news. That he's, like... he's on his own in the water, and everything else is going wrong. <laughs> Mick, you hear that See, over what, your earpiece? Whatever you're doing, chant faster or whatever. <laughs> I, I've made it to the bottom because it's not very big. Yep, and I'm just standing there with my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> going, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. (laughs) And there is, as your bare feet touch the ground in this spot specially selected by Briar for its sort of convergence of ley lines, there is a feeling, now that you're a bit more aware that this is something that, like, is happening and not just sort of standard human hysterical strength, there is a feeling that is sort of similar to when you flip the van, similar to, to when you ran at 30 miles an hour. <laughs> you can feel um, like potential under the ground that perhaps you could draw on. Well, I'm going to squat and think about it as hard as I can. 
surrounded by <laughs> shadows and like weird anglerfish lights and yeah. glimpses of teeth being like this is normal this is what they said would happen it's all fine roll plus weird okay. this is no limit my best one <laughs> that is a fine <laughs> you get experience though you get yeah. experience you leveled up <laughs> maxed out on experience I could luck it couldn't I you could luck it do you want to luck it I probably should then yeah, I'd definitely luck that. Boop, boop, boop. It's a 12! Woo! With a full success on No Limits, mm. you feel you feel that same power that you've drawn on before fill you up, and there's more of it sort of rushing into you than ever before because of the specific spot that you're standing on. Mm. Your feet dig into the sodden ground... Still breathing heavily through the scuba mask, you sort of squat down, dig your hands into the mud as well. You feel that connection growing. It's almost like you're being magnetically held down to the ground by this connection now. Everything is ready for Briar to do their part in the ritual. Mm -hmm. Briar, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Having spotted uh, flaming, boiling Beryl walking towards (laughs) me. As she's known. (laughs) Right, doesn't like the look of Boiling Barrel. And as Boiling Barrel seems to be, they're not, you know, rushing. They're a little way off. Can't really rush. Can't really rush in the water. So I think Briar will wide beaver eye, turn around and swim back to Mick. And while the water pop into Briar form and attempt to tell Mick what's going on, and he just comes (laughs) I'm doing it, Briar! I can feel it! <laughs> Big thumbs up for Briar. Um, Briar, I think, will feel that, yes, something is going on, so it's time to start there. You, you can see, with, with your fey vision, you can see this, like, connection to the ley lines and the power of the ley lines, like, running up into Mick and cycling, almost like a almost like a kind of dialysis kind of thing, that it's, like, running through his system and then back into the ley lines. Excellent. So, time to do my magic bit. Absolutely. I don't think this is necessarily any of the standard use magic effects, mm-hmm. but you know the effect is going to be the ritual starts to work. Yeah. Okay, so and it's just a use magic it's roll. A, it's a use magic roll. Roll plus weird. Five, six, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. That's a nine. Sorry, plus three. You choose the glitch. I guess let's go with problematic side effect. That sounds like it should be fun. Ooh, I've immediately got something for this. Oh no. What happens is Briar in Puka form, they kind of blow out any air in their lungs and then they just start taking a massive <laughs> breath. And what I wanted to do is as they are breathing in, it's like they are acting mm-hmm. as the ground and sucking the water down mm-hmm. into it. And this breath in just keeps going. And I wanted Briar just to suddenly like ball up pufferfish wise and just kind of start floating quite un like controllably around Mick, sort of like slowly just getting bigger and bigger with the little arms on the side, <laughs> like Violet Beauregard. In <laughs> yes, exactly like that. Turning into a blueberry. Yes, yeah. Briar is inflating, <laughs> and the water is rushing into Briar and then through Briar's connection with Mick into the ley lines, almost like it's being sort of fed into underground pipes. Because Briar is kind of unstable, Mm -hmm. like you didn't anchor yourself before you started drawing all of this water into yourself, 
it's creating this incredibly unstable whirlpool <laughs> in the centre of the Abbey ruins. It's so powerful that Mick, where you felt the ley line like clamping onto you and holding your hands and feet in the ground, you actually feel yourself now being sucked downwards. Down to the elbows, down to the knees, <laughs> down to the shoulders, being sucked into the ground at the bottom of this flooded hollow. It's so hard because Brian told me it would all be fine. I just had to think whatever I saw would be okay. <laughs> weird is good, weird is good, weird is good. What if I'm feeling something weird? This is fine, this is fine. <laughs> Fay whispers trickle into your ear uh, in a watery way. Join us under the hill, Michael. <laughs> Brian, do I want to go under the hill? Is that okay? (laughs) 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 Neither of you can really see this in your current state, but anybody looking, like the helicopter as it's it's leaving, you know, is able to see the water level visibly dropping in the uh, abbey grounds. And underwater, some of the fey that are swirling around pranking Mick notice that the vortex is drawing boiling barrel towards the both of you at an increased pace. <laughs> Percy. Yes. The warning shot rings out. Mm-hmm. The demon doesn't flinch, but notices and acknowledges what you've just said. You're right. In keeping these things from you, I have not given you the respect that you deserve. I have not communicated the esteem in which I hold you. Please believe me when I say that anything I have concealed, I have concealed only out of concern, only to avoid hurting you more than is necessary, and I suppose I must admit, to conceal my own shame. I was not always this. I did not choose to be this way. I did not choose the path I walk. I did not choose the people that I have hurt. I would undo it all. Who are you? What's going through Percy's mind? Percy and Ellie are concerned (laughs) that this person was not always a demon, that it's someone that she knows. Does Percy have a theory about who specifically it might be? Percy thinks it might be Ada. Because she mysteriously died the day after Percy time-travelled. And it's... There's no clear explanation as to what happened to the fire demon because it just stopped and it didn't end the world which is what it was sent to do so did it take over someone who resisted that part of it but has just been waiting who are you you're an intelligent woman percy you know already May I show you my work and tell you the story? Yes. And the figure, Ada, steps down, floating down from the top of this kiln, 
the ground smokes where she steps. And she moves to one of the other kilns, which you can now see has a heavy rubberized power conduit leading to it that is out of place for a charcoal kiln. I'm on the radio. Target is on the move. Move to kiln B. Kiln B. (laughs) You're going to do something, do it now. (laughs) As she approaches, perhaps triggered by the heat, perhaps some other way, perhaps by magic, the side of the kiln swings open on a hinge. And you see inside, not a pile of peat and charcoal, but a version of a familiar machine. Updated using modern materials, a little more streamlined, but clearly built by less dexterous and less expert hands. But still clearly a new version of the same machine that sent you from 1852 to the present day. This is what I've been working on. Although, as you can probably guess, in this form, I cannot do any of the work myself. The components simply melt at my touch. And so I have been forced to use, to create tools, and it pains me to speak of them that way. But to find helpers who I was able to give a part of my intellect so that they might complete the handwork. But I'm getting ahead. This is not where the story begins. What do you remember of, of our parting? It was chaos. The... The woods were a battleground. We were at the base. We received word that everyone everyone had died, all of them. And then Melinda had the vision that the only the only option was to go to the place that the demon arrived in sixteen sixty six and end it all before it began. So, even though we weren't ready, we powered up the machine. You on the inside, on the platform, ready for the transportation, the translocation. Myself at the controls. The machine, as we suspected, was not ready. There were flaws we could never have known without a live test. Something went wrong. A ripple spread from the machine in two directions along the timeline, projecting you forward and myself back to 1666. But because I was not within the shielding, I was not on the platform within the transportation chamber, I was not transported bodily only in spirit. And there in 1666, our target time. Percy, the calculations were perfect. I arrived precisely at the time and place where the summoning of Trevor was occurring. And being a being of only spirit, I was caught up in that summoning. 
and my being merged with Trevor. It was traumatic. Neither of us understood what had happened. The summoners, the cultists, were destroyed in an instant. And in our wrestling for control of our shared form, we raged across London. Eventually, I wrestled myself into control, pushed Trevor far down inside our shared entwined psyche and began to take stock of what had happened what I might do, soon discovering that I could touch nothing, build nothing, that only my mind was able to act. I began to draw on Trevor's abilities to gain help. I did not realise at first that doing so would destroy their mortal forms. And by the time I realised, I had already made many servants. I believe Trevor tricked me in that regard, let me know just enough of his own abilities to trap me into doing some of this destruction that is his want. It's not your fault, Ada. This is all my fault. Of course, the calculations were perfect. They were yours. It was my machine that did the damage. Blame helps no one, but there is a way to undo it all. You have the amulet. With that and this new machine, we can undo what was done so that I am never sent to 1666 in spirit, you are never sent to today in body. I never merge with Trevor, and all of the death and destruction I've caused in, in, in pursuit of undoing all of this will simply be erased. How do you know that this machine will work where mine failed? I don't why I needed you and I didn't want to reveal myself to you because I've done terrible things Percy I've hurt many I would not have you think less of me that's not your fault I came to you behind the mask and attempted to draw on what Trevor might do to gain your expertise and your input that way. But it seems I was mistaken. Uh, this may be a better policy. You've never been good at getting what you want from me. I only did things that you wanted me to because I knew it was you. If I didn't know it was you, of course it wasn't going to work like that. It's hard to read her because she has no facial expression, no face, she's entirely made of flame, but there is just something in the body language that you recognise that suggests a kind of like, a laugh but sad. Mm -hmm. I tried to undo it. I lived from 1666 to 1852, staying as quiet, as, as banked, trying not to hurt anybody during all of that time. I knew that 1852 was my chance to stop us from ever having activated the machine, so I came. I burned through the forest in an attempt to stop what had happened, but 
I failed. The experiment happened. Perhaps I was doomed to fail. Perhaps that is the nature of chronology, causality, and timelines. I've been pondering on that much. But when that failed, I knew that my only other chance, I knew that you must have been sent forward. The mathematics dictated it. I knew that my only other chance was to wait for your emergence and enlist your help in rebuilding the machine. This is our last chance to undo it all. Well, what's done is done. So let's undo it. Kincaid, how much of this are you relating? I mean, he's like, it's... Because they're talking about events that happened so long ago and his reasonably limited knowledge of any of these things is based on some films. It's like, surely events of that magnitude will affect the entire of reality now. And I think there's a point in the conversation where he's going to relay these things and he realises that he does, then the plan might not go through. And he thinks if you undo everything that I mean you literally undo everything it's like the world is not the way way it is now you're talking about events too long ago and he moves the rifle towards Percy's head Briar and Mick uh, Mick you are getting garbled versions of this being related to you through your headset as you are sucked deeper into the muck yeah there's lots of like, you know, he start, like at the start of it's like something about time travel something about undoing everything uh, burning through the forest and <laughs> And then he said, just after a while, it stops. He just <laughs> dawns on him what that probably means. Let's just keep going, isn't it? <laughs> just yeah. assume it's all fine. Brian said it's all fine. Just hold yeah. on. The big challenge coming your way is that a boiling lady is being drawn towards you both. <laughs> just so I know what's going on. I yeah. succeeded with the use magic for the big ritual. Yes. So that means it's happening. It's, it's working. Right. It's just that the, there was an unexpected side effect, which is that you are... You two are both being pulled into the ley line along with the water. So Mick might drown in mud. He's got scuba gear on. He's he's got scuba gear and he's connected to ley lines. He knows knows not to die in a lake. Yeah. (laughs) Does he? Does does mud count? (laughs) I think from Mick's point of view, that's the big decision moment. Is like, do you struggle against being sucked into the ground? Or do you go, do you trust Briar and trust this new connection to the ley lines to keep you safe and just kind of relax into it. Briar has begun now. They've started sucking in the water. The water has to come out again. <laughs> there's no there's, there's no swallowing. This is a spit take. <laughs> it needs to happen. So with scary boiling lady and <laughs> Beryl, please. Beryl. <laughs> And uh, Mick seemingly with just his eyes closed, humming to himself or whatever he's doing. Although <laughs> now Briar's big circle, like little flappy hands to try and move through the water, Briar kind of starts moving towards Mick and is going to, to, to latch onto Mick's leg. And Briar's current plan is hope that they can ride the water along with the line. So when he spits it out, they all get spit out as well. You're going to try and ride Mick. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, the main line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what form will you take while you're riding him? Uh, just, just normal puka, because big, big bubble big puka bubble. right now. Yeah. yeah, it's not quite normal. Definitely big, big inflated puka. Yeah, exactly. Actually, instead of clasping on to Mick's leg, Brian's going to hug his head and just knock on on the, the, the face mask. 
um, to get Mick's attention and to again to open his eyes and kind of just hold on to him <laughs> and just give him a little wave and a big thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. And like roll the finger around in the air to say, like, keep keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. <laughs> and with that confidence boosting move, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mick's just going to relax into whatever's happening. <laughs> it's a kind of acceptance, but I'm getting the sense that it's a kind of, well, this might as well happen sort of acceptance. We've come far right? enough now, yeah. you know. This is my life now. <laughs> <laughs> and a kind of like, we're, we're in this, like, this has to succeed. Yeah. Is there a kind of a sense of like, if this goes wrong for me personally, that's still an acceptable cost if it... Yeah, because it's the town. And, you know, this fire demon's just going to keep demoning mm-hmm. everyone. As it's far good... as you know. Yeah. And... It's kind of along the responsibility of like, feeling like you're going to help everyone anyway. This is a way to save everybody, which is great. Also, I guess currently you've got the choice between probably die and maybe save town and probably yeah. die and don't save town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might as well go for the one where there's a chance of being a hero. <laughs> the boiling cloud of bubbles that is Beryl is barreling towards you, you both. But then as Mick makes this decision to accept and relax into this process. The two of you are pulled under the surface of the mud and Beryl explodes. I presume they like put, dig the charcoal out the top. I'm trying to work out. Wouldn't it go to the bottom? Oh, it goes to the bottom. Oh, to the bottom. Have a little hatch at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's undignified. <laughs> a hatch in your bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got one, Matt. <laughs> right, I'll do that again. <laughs> Percy Byron never comes alone. Never works alone. <laughs> <laughs> Victorians actually often did come alone. <laughs> I was going to say, it's some new character information. <laughs> <laughs>